it gives every creator the opportunity to build a build that more engaged fan base and then two the tools are now more available than ever before to monetize that engagement so you're not your goal is not just strictly the overall size of audience which i would say even two years ago that was the model in every single creator economy whether that was your youtuber a podcaster or a musician it was just the sheer size of audience so that has changed Welcome back to On-Chain Experiments, where we talk with the creators and collectors building Web3. Today's guest is supermassive founder, JennaHannon.eth. She worked with companies like Universal Music Group, Rovi, and Uber before starting her own company, Supermassive, back in 2021. Today's episode is all about the new media business, including topics like traditional music, gaming, and Solana. Hope you enjoy. 100%, 100%. Jenna, absolute pleasure to meet you. It seems like you've been doing some incredible stuff, not only in Web3, but also Web2. Um, so super happy to have you on here, but kind of just kicking it off, would love to just understand um, your, your just like overall background and story and, and how you got into the Web3 space. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I, I started my career in music, uh, the traditional route. I started my career in the licensing department of Universal Music Group. And then I found my way into tech. Uh, I've been into tech the last 12 years. Uh, I've been in uh, San Francisco. I've worked at startups. I've been at big companies. I was at Uber for many years. Uh, and I found my way in Web3 as kind of a roundabout way. I left Uber and I went to a video game company and I was the head of marketing at this video game company and I was spending the majority of my time talking to creators. And so the way that we would market our game is we would sponsor and work with with mostly Twitch creators, so professional gamers. And so most of my time was just understanding how creators thought, the creator economy, and obviously that leads you down a deep rabbit hole of Web3. So this was in about 2020 uh, when I first started getting interested. Uh, and a big thing for me is I wanted to I wanted to go back to that to my music roots. And I had been thinking about that for a long time. And Web3 to me just had this deep connection of back to music and, and the creator economy. And that's kind of how I ended up here uh, starting Supermassive. So cool to hear you coming down the route of traditional music and then coming over here, as well as partnering with gamers. I feel gamers right now are at an inflection point where they're slowly starting to go from being abhorrently opposed to NFTs and Web3 to now slowly warming up to it. Would you say that when True. you were interacting with a lot of creators, like, uh, did have you gotten to speak with a lot of those video game creators about Web3 and NFTs? What would you say their sentiment is? Um... It's interesting. So at the time, I would say, yes, most gamers were adamantly opposed to Web3. And I see what their, I, I see what their issue, the, the main point, I see their perspective. And the perspective for them was mainly, it, it started to feel, it has been starting to feel like games are turning into more economics and monetization rather than just the fun of playing games and getting together with your friends. 
um, in a virtual world. And that's where gamers just felt like this to them felt like a threat. Where I think for more traditional creators or musicians, um, it's the exact opposite. This looks like a, a potentially better model for them, a better way to go direct to fans. Uh, so the gaming community, I think, is just very different and has very different incentives. Uh, so I understood why their approach has been less optimistic. It seems like they are coming around, but I would say um, of my relationships in games, a lot of the games companies are still, I would say, still quite hesitant um, and still quite nervous about the Web3 web ecosystem. I'm curious, just from your perspective, like, where's the where's the hesitation and nervousness coming from because you know for obviously from our perspective there's a massive opportunity for them to monetize and and grow like such an authentic community yeah i mean i think i i agree i guess so there's there's two different models so when i think about the music community i think of an artist that is essentially building their own like their own model, their own direct-to-fan relationships, and they're figuring out a way to monetize directly. From a game's perspective, it's actually usually a game developer who's designing an ecosystem, and that ecosystem, you're actually balancing a lot of different incentives. So if you look at an ecosystem like Axie Infinity, for example, they are it's essentially a game developer that's designing an in-game economy. And when you look at Axie Infinity... There, are they doing a better job of the existing game ecosystems? Maybe because they allow more monetization for more people. But I think there's this genuine concern of, is this, is this a Ponzi scheme? When does the money stop? Um, and it's not necessarily the gamers themselves that are kind of, kind of the, the, the players in the Web3 ecosystem. It's more the game developer that's creating this ecosystem. Versus on the other side, going back to music, it does feel like musicians are given the opportunity to design that model for themselves, if that makes sense. This is staring, it's reminding me of a tweet I sent a couple weeks ago, and it was something along the lines of profile pics are uh, anons and music NFTs are real human beings. And it's like the studio is like a nameless being. And even if everybody's doxxed, it's a bigger organism that's steering the ship. Whereas in music NFTs, it's a single creator. It's Jamie Cornelia. It's uh, Famous Dill. It's Sagrado. It's Caitlin Rates. It's these individual musicians deciding and blazing the trail. Um, I'm curious, you have come from UMG, which is a really big, really big in Web2 in like traditional music. How would you say you've seen music NFTs coming out of that? Like gamers, it makes sense. And that you, you relating it is very, very cool to hear. How would you say it's been over on the music NFT side? You say it's more empowered for that individual creator? Yeah, it definitely, it definitely feels so. It is kind of interesting. So music has historically, I would say, not been the most innovative industry. They actually have a reputation of being slow to to adopt the next stage of technology. And so you've always seen pushback from the major record labels when there was a next phase, for example, when they had to move from CD to digital, from digital to streaming. Uh, in this case, you're actually seeing music is, the music industry has been more open to adopting tech than ever before. And so I, I think the major labels are actually all having conversations 
with with um, Web3 companies to better understand this ecosystem and see where they fit in, which is awesome. And then from the other side, you're having artists kind of bubble up with building their own different versions within the ecosystem. And so you're seeing it both bottoms up and tops down, which I think is really cool because I think most of the innovation and and music has been very, very slow and you haven't had that effect. I think another really important piece of that is the fact that more artists are speaking up about the industry and what's working for them and what's not. And what's great about artists today is they just have more tech to go direct if they want to. They can go through distribution to get their music streamed. Uh, More artists are choosing to be independent and are looking for more tools to help them build their own sustainable model. And that was just really not accessible in music previously. You always had to go through a gatekeeper. You always had to go through a label. And so I think that's really pushing labels to say, okay, where do we provide value And if artists are able to use tools and build their career, we have to find more ways to provide value to artists, um, which I think is great. I think that's actually the evolution of what the music industry should be going, where artists have a much stronger say in their career. Yeah, I'm curious if you're spending more time. It's like a Cambrian explosion of opportunities on both, like you said, the top down and the bottom up. With the majority of the work I do with Mint Songs, I feel like the majority of artists that come to us are independent, and it's a lot of that bottom-up kind of building of tools and ecosystems. Would you say that you're spending a lot of your time um, in the top-down world working with bringing over some of those older, typically slower-moving engines, or are you working more with kind of the bottom-up independent creator? It's such a good question. We're really thinking about both. Uh, for but we, ideally you would pick one you have to be focused but I think it's actually important to work with both and so I would say as of now we are actually mainly focused on the middle market and so these are the artists that have an existing fan base they they may be in a specific genre genre where they don't have a mass audience appeal like top 40 and they're looking to be sustainable. So this is probably similar to a lot of the independent artists that you're talking to. Uh, so these artists tend to have uh, an existing following on social. So anywhere from 5,000 to 150,000 followers on Instagram, for example. And in the current music system, the traditional industry is really built to monetize mass audiences. And so there's very few tools for that mid-market of artists. And so that's where we're focused right now. That said, in the long term, we always want to keep having conversations with the emerging artists and the up and coming artists and make sure that we can find a way to support them, because that actually is what makes this fun, is seeing more artists come into the ecosystem and be successful by building a new model. Uh, And at the same time, I think partly because I come from a traditional music industry background, we think it's important to bring the music industry along for the ride. It's they still add value for artists. They're still a marketing machine. They're still a distribution machine and they're beneficial for a lot of artists. So I think we're kind of a yes and rather than an either or. Love it. Love it. Dropping absolute heat right now. Kind of diving into your background even more. Um, did a little bit of research on Supermassive, but for our audience, you know, what is the mission and vision behind the company that you've built? Yeah, so we, we are early stage. We are building. Uh, our 
a, th a big thing for us is one in the web three community, you have to make, it has to be good for all parties. And so, although we think that we are solving a major pain point and problem for artists at the same time for fans to want to support their experience has to be great. And you've seen that in any web two marketplace. So a great example is social media today. If you look at Instagram, Instagram is not just great for the creator and has lots of tools to empower the creator, but it's, it's a really kick-ass product uh, for, for people consuming Instagram. And so both sides have to be really good. And so we are, we're trying to figure out, okay, how do we, how do we solve the use case for the artist? But then what are the common use cases for the fans? So I would say we are, we're kind of going less in the, I would say true collector's direction than true fan. Meaning we want to build the tools for those super fans to be able to get, not only support the artists that they love, but also get value. Um, and that has to be on both sides of the network. So I know that's very conceptual high level uh, to give the more specific details of the platform we're building. We are a marketplace on Solana. Uh, we are starting with, with mid-market emerging artists. We allow them to run, to mint and run NFT drops. Uh, the artists that we are working with are doing exclusive music drops. So this is music that is not necessarily going to the larger distribution. And that's a, a really important piece of value that they feel for them and also for, for their fans. I think it's incredible that you're building on Solana. I do not meet a ton of builders on Solana. And so I have a lot of questions and I got to keep myself from getting too in the weeds right now. <laughs> um, first off, just for someone that is not, I actively am building on Polygon, which is a side chain of Ethereum. For someone that is not privy to the daily comings and goings on Solana, how is it to build over there? What's it like? Yeah, I mean, so far it's been good. So we, we've chosen Solana for so three main reasons. One is environment, and this is important for our mission, but also the artists we work with and fans and the low energy use is really important. And that's something that just made ETH not a great chain for us. Uh, to the gas fees, if we are really going to support fans and support emerging artists, it, it can't cost $150 to purchase an NFT. Um, and that's a big piece of accessibility. And then three, to answer your question more directly, the Solana community, the dev community, is the second largest after Ethereum. Uh, and it's actually built on an existing code language. Uh, and so it's built on Rust. And so my CTO, Mark, who's also a, a fellow musician um, and was a producer for many years, uh, he, he just felt like it was actually more approachable from a developer perspective. Yeah, I agree. And it's got to be good news then to, to hear something like an open sea open up because then that then like opens up so many possibilities for increased liquidity for um, musicians on your platform. W would you say that it, it how, did, how did you find OpenSea allowing Solana NFTs? Does that feel like a positive move or is that kind of, uh, yeah, how is that news to you? I'm curious. Yeah, hugely, hugely beneficial. So when we started this project, we were actually nervous about that. Uh, so you want to be able to offer the artist that's creating these NFTs access to as many fans and as much demand as possible. That's a really important value prop. 
And so when we started building on Solana, we were nervous about that. And we were trying to navigate the tech of, okay, we can, we can build ways to do, uh, to, to go to kind of wrap and go across chains. Uh, but this is further in the future. And so when they, when OpenSea made this announcement, that's actually just all positive for us in a direction that we thought was going to take much more time uh, to come to fruition. Kind of going back um, a couple moments ago, you talked about giving the fans and super fans more value. Can you give us an example of like what sort of value you guys are going to be offering to those fans? Yeah, great question. Uh Still working through it. So with love recommendations, uh, to start, we are doing exclusive music. And so we are doing music that that uh, is either pre-release. And so we have artists that are working with us to pre-release a single before it goes to distribution on an upcoming album. And then two artists that have unreleased material in their catalog that they want to release as a very limited edition, uh, collector's edition. So that's number one. Um, and then we're actually working through a bunch of different utilities. And I know everyone is having this conversation in, in Web3 music of what are the utilities that matter the most. For us, a really important piece is that it's, it's connected to the NFT for the life of the NFT, meaning if you're just selling it for that first overall sell. So if you, if you do something experiential, for example, so say the artist for their NFT wants to offer one-on-one uh, -on -one experience with them with the initial sale of their NFT. That does not carry to the, the secondaries. And an important revenue stream for an artist is secondaries. And so we are looking at what types of utilities are beneficial in, in the primary and the secondary sale of that NFT. So an example of that would be, for example, access to an artist community that the artist runs. It, every time that NFT is traded, the secondary would still have access, the third purchase, et cetera. Um, and that means that the artist is still earning revenue on, on each of those transactions, but also, you know, they have to generate value uh, by running that community. So these are just examples of utilities. Um, another piece we are working on is uh, we're, we're building in a premium tier. And the premium tier is essentially like the super fan club. And so this is the artists we're talking to want to use this to keep dropping NFTs to those those uh, that group of fans who've purchased the premium tiers. Some of those are going to be demos, work in progress, uh, potentially singles down the road before they're released. And so we want to build this, this really simple tool for artists to kind of keep nurturing those fans and keeping the value of the NFTs. A question that a lot of musicians will ask me is if I drop this NFT on a NFT platform. Does that mean I can't drop it on Spotify or anywhere else? And it sounds like you guys are doing exclusive NFTs and some of that might be like dropping the NFT and then dropping it on streaming platforms. I'm curious how you would answer the question when musicians ask, because I think we're all writing this narrative together. It's really interesting to meet another builder in this space, especially one on Solana um, to just like hear another perspective. What would you say to a musician that's asking the question, like when I'm making music, am I making it to just be dropped as an NFT just to be dropped on streaming platforms or should it be both? What, what would you recommend for musicians thinking about this? Yeah, it's, it's, it's an important strategy question and it probably is, is different depending on the artist, which is I'm trying not to <laughs> cop out of the question. 
but every artist I talk to has a very different fan base. They have a very different approach to to how they want to tell their story. Uh, there's always if if it's an exclusive NFT, I do think there's some benefit depending on the track. So, for example, if you are taking unreleased material, you can probably monetize that in a better way if it's not going to distribution. That said, I think there's a ton of benefit to a strategy where you are releasing something to distribution and you pre-release it, for example. And so you create an incentive for the buyer to purchase early to get access to that track for that track to trade and before that track is going to distribution. Although I will say with many artists, this is tough because some artists are just trying to get their music out there. And so if they have a more limited catalog, the, both of these strategies might not be the right fit for them. And they just need as many listeners as, as they can get. And so exclusive music might not make sense. And so I would say we're also still figuring it out. And so we're talking to some artists who are at that phase where they're just still looking for, they just want to get their music out there. And we're trying to figure out, okay, how do we solve for them of making something that's still truly valuable to their fans um, and, and kind of moving away from the just support model if that song is available on distribution. One thing I did want to hit on is I, I saw in your bio, bio about dissecting the new media business. I really like mental models because like you say, we're all still figuring the space out and good mental models can help us to really build off of a good foundation. What would you say is the, the new business model? Yeah. So I, I think to answer that question, I'd have to start with what is, what is old media? Uh, so old media to me is a very passive experience. And so when I think of TV or even Netflix, it's, there's, there's this old Hollywood model, they produce this content, this content is produced by, they're usually higher budgets, they go through a bunch of gatekeepers, and then that is delivered to you with a very passive experience. And so that's how I define old media. New media, uh, this is, and this is where, what I'm truly fascinated by, is new media is completely different. And that's what Web3 is. So new media, as you're seeing the rise of, of, all, of the, all of these social networks, you're seeing that media is actually democratized. And so most of the media that I consume and that Gen Z consumes is coming from uh, user-generated content. There is no gatekeepers. People are creating content and they're delivering that directly to their fans. Now, the issue that we have today is in the, in the new media model, all of the current platforms, which actually do provide a lot of value. So if you look at Instagram, anyone can get on Instagram. They can become a creator. Instagram will help you find an audience. And then Instagram will help you find advertisers to monetize that audience. The problem with this current model is that in order for that business to work, which is really the option for most creators today, is you need to have a massive audience because advertisers are really looking to pay for a number of eyeballs. And so what's missing today in the new media business is this mid-market. There's a lot of amazing creators that are able to bubble out of this system and emerge that have more niche, more niche audiences that are smaller but more engaged. 
And this new media model has not yet really figured out how do we monetize and make the business model work for this middle market of creators that have a more engaged audience because advertisers are not necessarily paying for engagement, but they should be, but in the current model, they're not. And so to me, new media is, is many things. It's one, it's user-generated content. It's two, it's about engagement. Um, and three, it's about building completely different business models around that media that we will consume in, in the future. Oh, and four, one more piece. To me, it's really interactive. So just like the conversation that we're having here, once I worked in the games industry and I got back into games, it was so hard for me to go back to the passive experience. Because in games, you're interacting, you're talking to people while you're playing a game. There's real life people that are in the game writing that story with you. And so it just, old media just felt that passive experience felt really boring. And this is actually what got me really excited about Web3 is ev everyone in the space is sort of bought into this interactive uh, community-based model uh, where you're not just consuming, you're actually a part of a community that you're interacting around the things that you're consuming. And that's what I get really excited about. I mean, 100%. Like, that's that's the most beautiful part about Web3 is the interactions and community that's being built and the authenticity that people bring to the table during these interactions like we're having now. So with that being said, like, what is what is your team doing to to build, you know, a strong and authentic community for, for your fans and, and artists that you're going to be collaborating with? Oh, I love that question. We, so we've been, we are taking it a little bit slower because we're trying to be as thoughtful as possible around where do we fit and where do we fit and where are we providing the most value to a community? We don't want to build a community just for the sake of building a community. And so we we're, for example, we don't have a Discord yet. We, we do have social and we're very interactive on social. We hop on Twitter spaces. We, we want to talk to more people and get more insights. Uh, but we don't feel like we're not community builders yet. And we're, our, our thesis is that in order to do that, we need to do what you're doing. We need to have a clear plan about what, are, what, are, what is the specific either skill set or expertise or content that we're able to that to provide, and then what makes us a really good facilitators to nurture that community. So we're actually still figuring it out. We are thinking about starting with the artists that are going to be launching on the platform in June, and a lot. Of, so my my background is is mainly marketing, and so one big piece that comes up when we're talking to artists is all of them are trying to figure out how just how did they. How do they do more marketing, better distribution? How do they get themselves out there? And so we think that's a potential angle. But we're, we are slow to get started because we want to do it the right way. Gemini season. I've got a lot of love for June. Big things happening in June. So if you're dropping <laughs> some musicians in June, that aligns well with my life. <laughs> I really like what you said about the new media. I think it res it resonates and stirs a lot inside of me on my own creative path. I've been making this podcast for years under different names. And with Anchor, I was able to start monetizing from advertisers. And that was great for like a year's worth of work and creativity to get $250 US. That was awesome. And then I stopped getting advertisers because at the end of the day, it's for the, it's for the tail end people of advertisers. It's not, not for me. 
Um, and, and so I stopped getting advertisers. And then this cool thing called Web3 came along. And I put out a bunch of these podcast clips as NFTs for a long time. And nobody bought any. I continued to engage with the community on Twitter. I continue to just buy other people's NFTs. And then all of a sudden I wake up one day and I'm totally sold out of all my NFTs. And I'm like, wow, I went, I, and, and I earned more from selling those NFTs and just engaging with the community for uh, maybe four or five months than I did from over a year of just getting advertising based revenue. So I, as a creator can definitely attest that not only does this income feel cooler because I know exactly who's buying these NFTs from me instead of just some random advertiser that's giving me a script to read, but it's also earning me more money. I've earned more in less time, which I, I, I definitely hate the, the thought of like get rich quick. But for me, as my own anecdote, it has been a very incredible field. I'm curious of the interactivity because I'm not sure that I'm making content that's interactive. I'm, I'm producing music NFTs and I'm just I'm listening to what you're describing. And I'm like, am I making interactive content right now? <laughs> I mean, you are right now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a very good point. I, I love that story. I, I, I really, I think that's, it's actually the thing. So I'll give another, um, before I jump into the, the interactive piece, I'll give another example just to, to plus one on what you said. When I worked in the, at this games company, we would do this experiment where we would partner with different gaming influencers to sell digital goods within the product. And so we would do a rev share agreement where they, we would create the digital good. It would be co-branded with that influencer. And then they would do the marketing because they've created the, you know, they have the social media and the fan base. And so we, de we tested a bunch of different types of creators. So everything from the micro, the small creators who are just getting started to the midsize, who usually the midsize had a niche kind of like what you're doing, um, where it was like a very, very specific space that they, that they were creating within uh, and then the big ones, the big ones that had millions of followers and millions of fans. And what we saw was that the mid-market converted the best and had the highest total sales. And what we saw from that is that an engaged fan, when going direct, is much more valuable than the large fan base. And advertisers just don't know how to convert that. And it's really interesting that Web3 to me, when I found it was like, oh, cool, they're actually solving for this. And I've already seen this firsthand. And I think it's huge. I think it's potentially huge. So I love hearing your story because it, it just validates that, that having this, it, it's not about the size of the audience. It's about the value that you're providing them. Um, and, and in the engagement side, you may be, or in, as, as you mentioned, interactive, you you maybe the content feels like you're creating content and then you're sending it out there to your audience and your audience may be passively consuming it, but you're still in order to get that content out there in your current model, the model that you're using is you had to build a community. And so you had to do that by one, creating content, but two, interacting with the people who are interacting with your content. And that's sort of the difference in web three. So when I say interactive, it doesn't just mean like in gaming, you're, where it's like truly the, the highest form of interaction where you're actually in a game world and interacting, it could be any interaction that feels like the audience has an, or the audience, or I hate to say fans, have an opportunity to actually talk to the creator, ask questions, feel like there's more value than just consuming. So 
for me as a fan, I feel this is really awesome. And I'm curious of your thoughts on how, how this impacts the landscape of a creator. Because as a fan, it's been really cool that when I buy a music NFT, I then most likely get a DM from them on Twitter saying like, thanks. Because I've been, I've been streaming Drake's album on loop, but I don't think Drake's ever going to reach out to me in the DMs and say, thank you for, <laughs> for streaming this album on loop. But, but I buy one music NFT from a random artist that I liked their music and we connected on social. And for me, that's super powerful. But from a, I'm curious, can you like, for creators that are listening to this and musicians that are listening to this, this new media, or this new business model, this new media business model, how would you say it impacts creators? Yeah, I mean, it impacts creators. I think, so there's one side, which I would say is, there's the very positive, which is it gives every creator the opportunity to build, A, build that more engaged fan base. And then two, the tools are now more available than ever before to monetize that engagement. So you're not, your goal is not just strictly the overall size of audience, which I would say even two years ago, that was the model in every single creator economy, whether that was your YouTuber, a podcaster, or a musician, it was just the sheer size of audience. So that has changed. And, and that, I think, is very positive. Um, on the flip side, I think there's some negatives to, for, for creators, which is that interaction and engagement takes time. Um, and it takes, actually, quite a lot of work. And so you're, you're creating a very special experience for your fan base, uh, but it, that's a lot of work to do that. Uh, so I have talked to several creators who have, have found that to be in many ways exhausting. And part of it is the tools that they use. Uh, and so, for example, I've talked to many artists who've used Patreon for many years. And their concern with Patreon is this subscription model forces them to just constantly be churning out content. And they're already doing that on social media and on Patreon, they're now turning out content. And then they're also trying to engage with their fans and feel like they can build a relationship with their fans. And that is just a ton of work. And so some of that is a tool. Some of that is Patreon is a subscription and it's structured to turn out content. Um, and I do think NFTs change that. But some of that is there is a downside and there is a cost to that engagement piece. And I'm sure you've probably seen it firsthand. There are so many opportunities. It's really cool. And it makes me sad when people get aggressive and fight it like one versus the other, because there are so many tools in this space. If you want to use Patreon and build a subscription, good, that's for you. If you want to make YouTube videos and monetize from that, the options are there. The roadmap is clear. Go and do it. If you want to sell NFTs, this is a new field. The roadmap's not necessarily there. But if you want to experiment, there's a high probability chance right now that you're going to do well or you're going to be able to learn from whatever you don't drastically succeed in. Um, I build on Ethereum and Polygon, and I'm, I know there's creators listening that are building on Solana, and they probably need some tools. Um, and I also want to hear more about some tools. What tools would you say have you found successful either in building your company or for creators of art, whether that's PFPs, music NFTs? What are the tools that creators um, should be looking at over on the Solana ecosystem? Oh, man, this is a great question. Uh probably probably past my depth to be honest because uh, we are looking at more tools that we are integrating to build our platform so i could probably better answer the question of what yeah let's go down that route about. okay we can go that route 
Um, we so we are we are really excited about Solana Pay. Uh, we think this is awesome and has a lot of opportunities. Uh, we are we're actually just integrating with a company called Persona, um, and so what we're trying to do is there's some authentication pieces that we need to do on the artist side. I actually, it sounds, I know web three in many ways is, is, you know, paving, paving new ways to do things. And in some ways I would say anti-regulation. Um, but we actually think there's a benefit on the artist side, not necessarily the fan side on the artist side of being, uh, I guess, more structured. And part of this is, you know, when you're building a platform, uh, you, you're paying out artists, you're paying out creators. And so you don't want to create a bunch of work for creators. And so if everything is not compliant, then uh, creators who are earning on your platform are actually just spending a ton of time trying to be compliant. Uh, and so a lot of the tools we are looking at are trying to solve that problem for creators on the, on the Solana side. Tell me more about Solana Pay. So is that like a, a fiat on ramp or I, I, I feel like when you talk cryptocurrencies, payment is typically built in at the base layer. So I'm curious what Solana Pay is. Yeah, so Solana Pay is just making it easier. So it's making it easier for more companies to integrate Solana. Uh, for us, that's going back to all the benefits of Solana. I know you're on the on the east side. Uh and so it, it's ba it's basically a payment layer for integrating Solana pay for Solana, uh, but they are building in all of the they're building in the rails for other crypto. I think their their future vision is that they have a true integration for all all ways to purchase and convert. And so on any platform, if you want to join the platform and you want to purchase an asset in Solana, great. If you want to purchase in ETH, great. If you want to purchase in Fiat, if you want to use your credit card. Those on-ramp rails need to be super simple. And then there's also the off-ramp rails. And the off-ramp is for the creator, meaning the creator is going to be paid in a, in a certain type of digital currency or a fiat currency. And they need to be able to convert into the, the currency that they care about. Um, and so we think Solana Pay has a lot of potential to do that. That said, it looks like Stripe announced last week that they are getting into the game. So that's really exciting. Uh, Coinbase Commerce is building lots of pretty good, lots of great tools as well, although they're not on Solana yet. Uh, so I think that's what makes, that's why we're personally excited about Solana Pay because they are the, the furthest along on the Solana network. Yeah, I, uh, so it sounds like Solana Pay is offering those on-ramps and off-ramps, which is freaking phenomenal. Um, as we get into the last little quarter of the show, if anyone in the audience wants to come up and ask Jenna some questions, just uh, reach out and I will let you up on stage and you can ask Jenna any questions. Uh, the next question that I had was regards to something that was uh, released this past week on, on 420 Coinbase NFT dropped their alpha and they are officially the biggest cryptocurrency exchange platform is now also an NFT marketplace. And I'm curious what your, uh, what did you think when they finally opened up the alpha? Yeah, great question. And to go back, I would say Solana Pay does not yet have all of the on and on ramps, uh, but it is part of their vision. I think everything is just being built. We're, we're building the plane as we are flying. Uh, Coinbase, I think, so I think it's exciting in the sense that it, it adds some legitimacy to the NFT side of the house. Um, which is at this point in time, crypto is so much bigger. I think the, the last numbers I heard, it, it's 75 million 
crypto wallets versus NFT wallets is such a fraction of that. I, I'm trying to think the last, I think it was 900,000 NFT wallets. And so what Coinbase, it, Coinbase just has that distribution. And so they, they can onboard so many more people into the space, which I think is net very positive for creators. Uh, because that brings in your audiences, more of your audiences onboarding into Web3, which means that if you are already utilizing these tools, just more of your audience can can in, engage with you and, and purchase from you. So that that's super positive. I actually haven't seen the platform yet. I didn't get into the early access. Um, so it's hard to say how they did compared to what's what's currently on the market. I do think what's currently on the market in terms of NFT platforms, there's still so much room there everything just feels like it's it's preliminary. Remy, I'm curious if you had any thoughts when you saw Coinbase NFT alpha drop. I mean, the biggest thing for Web3 right now is onboarding and education. And like Jenna was saying, like there's already so many users on the platform. So just opening that up, I've actually checked it out. Um, I mean, it, it looks pretty great. I think they just got to continue innovating it and, marketing it out to, uh, you know, people who are on other platforms. But overall, I think it's a great move for the Web3 community because we got to keep in mind we're only interacting with such a small percentage of the world right now. And once we bring these other people um, into the Web3 ecosystem, there's so many new creative opportunities and ideas will arise. So, yeah, it's some some, some good stuff, man. Some alpha. <laughs> <laughs> And I see we had Picture Day NFT step on up. Welcome, welcome on the stage. Did you have a question for Jenna? Hey, how's it going, guys? My name's uh, Abraham. I'm with Picture Day. What's up, Remy? Hey, my guy. What's good, man? I was I was wondering <laughs> who that was. <laughs> um, I know I was in our uh, in the San Diego group text. I got I got the um, I got the basically this space, and I'm glad I jumped in. But I was under the Picture Day account, and I didn't want to jump out and then jump back in for mine. So I was like, whatever, I'm in. But um, What's up, Abraham? Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are good. you? I appreciate all the alpha. And uh, um, I did have a, a question maybe too, but I, I just wanted to uh, jump in and say hi as well and um, introduce myself. But um, one of the questions I do have is um, in this new space, because it is, it is a small space and we are going after people that at least understand the concept of like investing or like getting – you know, owning something, ownership. So it's, it is different. It's like, it's already a small percentage of the world that already does it. But I, I, my question is like, how do you go about if you're a creator without a huge network and trying to find influence in your projects? Good question. So you're saying if you're a creator and you don't yet have an existing fan base, whether it's Web 2 or Web 3. Correct. Even Web 2, I feel like um, as a creator, you're going back and by the time you're like, hey, buy my NFT and people are like, OK, how? It's like, go get Coinbase, get crypto, get MetaMask <laughs> and then you can buy my NFT. But it's like so it's a process and it's like um, just trying to get straight to the people that know like, OK, I have MetaMask and I want to buy, you know, how do you find those influencers in this space? I guess that's my question. Oh, it's a great question. We actually think it's one of the biggest problems in the space. And so when we are talking to, so on, on the music side, when we're talking to artists, 
most artists concern with with an nft is the fact that most of their audience is web2 and that they might not know what an nft is and so a lot of the artists we talk to say well there's probably only a, a small sliver of my audience that's web3 or crypto native and can knows how to purchase that nft and we think that's really really limiting and you, what you're seeing is that platforms are trying to solve that and and so that's when i going back to that what i mentioned about solana pay is platforms are trying to figure out better on ramps to do that and so for example we are building so that a fan can purchase with a credit card or a fiat currency because we do think you have to create an on-ramp um, and that's just the reality. Although we think it's it's way cooler if you get the world into crypto and you can get everyone onboarding in crypto, that's an ideal scenario, but you have to give them some, some on-ramp and some entrance point. Uh, for an artist, I think that's an important value because if you're building your audience, you just need to make it the most accessible as you can. So if you're trying to convert and monetize a smaller audience, that friction is is. Uh, a higher pain point for you because you're just going to have less people that are willing to go through, jump over those hurdles to your point, get crypto, figure out a wallet, go and purchase that NFT. Uh, but to answer your, I, I, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question directly. <laughs> of, it sounds like a, your question is actually more a marketing question for uh, emerging artists. Yeah, yeah, I guess I guess that was kind of it, but you answered it very good. Um, I do appreciate that. Um, and you hit a, you hit a lot of those points. And the reason why I'm asking that is because I know a lot of people do get into this space. And just like in traditional marketing, we like we always went to the influence and finding the influencers. I heard you talking about the influencers on like um, a lower level, a mid, you know, mid level and how that mid level because of like that interaction with the community is so powerful. And I'm feeling like that's like the main thing in this space. It's, it's mainly like mid-level. You have to basically be able to interact and be a part of your community every single day. So I think you, I think you hit it really good. I was just trying to like, I was trying to get your take on it, you know, and I, I do appreciate that. Oh, awesome. And I'd be, I mean, I, I would be curious of artists who've actually launched NFTs if they're actually seeing a pattern in who they're, who's purchasing. Meaning you're seeing you're seeing an interesting mix of collectors, but I wonder if it's just a higher purchase rate of those who are interacting more. I mean, that's what we saw on the, the game side. But I'd be curious. On the, yeah, on the art side, so with Picture Day, I actually represent an oil paint artist where like my icon is Snoop Dogg, but as baby dog, he actually she gave him the actual physical painting and basically created him as a young kid in school. And so we took twelve of these icons from a canvas and made it into 5,000 NFTs. But like once we launched, you know, we're thinking, Oh, we have something badass, and it's like going. And, you know, right now we're up to like 600 out of 5,000 sold. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. But like, you know, in the traditional world, I'm telling my friends like, damn, that's freaking dope, bro. Like almost 600 sold. But then in the NFT world, they're like, Oh, so it's a slow mint. And I'm like, well, it's only been a month. You know what I mean? I'm like, in traditional business, like I I'm dead. expected five years, but like right here, people are saying it's slow after a month and wondering if something's wrong. I'm like, no, <laughs> nothing's wrong. Like, I think it's going good. But to your point, the real buyers have been the real investors. And that's what I noticed most people that understand investing. They're a little bit older. They know about 
you know, quality of investing in things and kind of holding on and not looking for like a million, a million dollars after they put in a hundred dollars one day. And those people just, I can relate to better because I I understand investments, but I had to kind of rewind and realize not everybody knows about investing or knows how to invest or like been mentored by some guy who knows how to invest and he's making millions of dollars. And that's like where our space is kind of stuck. You know, this is about investing. And if you want to invest in people, whether it's their music, whether it's their art, whether it's, you know, their project to get homeless off the street or whatever it is, you're investing in like people as an NFT. And I think that's the concept that's hard for people to grasp right now. Yeah, that makes sense. That's super interesting. So you're feeling like the, that's funny about the project of the, this, the speed, cause you're right. It just in comparison <laughs> to how it used to be. Um, I'm, I'm, I'd be curious. I'm curious of, is it, so you, it sounds like, it sounds like what you're saying is the, it's really the collector, meaning they already, they're coming in, they already understand the value. Do you feel like there's something, were, were they a collector when they came in or did you play a part in educating them to become a collector or an investor to your words? Both. Um, both like the first people that came in, of course, it was like all Twitter and discord. And most people that came in were like people that just understood NFTs already and already mm-hmm. were coming in. And then because I do a lot of marketing, even on my personal social media, I've gone like full go. So I've onboarded a lot of people and I've onboarded a lot of my friends and they've got in and they're like holding because of like, I've basically explained this is an investment. Don't expect like to flip this right away. So they understand that. But the other like of my friends that actually understand investments and come in, they're like constantly buying this thing up and like so excited about it. So like, I can't believe I'm getting they just understand it better. And I can tell they're just the ones that are a little bit older, have a little bit more money and just understand investing. Interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. So it sounds like in in it's it actually almost makes the job for for you as a creator even harder because you they either come in already educated or that's your job as the creator. Right. And so like when I realized that, like, damn, I have to do a lot more educating just to get people in this. So I've been actually doing more educating than like, than selling. Cause at first it was like, Mm -hmm. sell, sell, sell. I'm under this pressure of like, we're not selling fast enough. We have a garbage project. If we're not selling fast enough. Then I was like, was burning myself out on selling to people who don't even have a MetaMask wallet. And that's when I was like, all right, this is off. So let me go to educating. And when LA and Miami conferences uh, came about, I actually scheduled to do like satellite events in LA and Miami where I basically invited people out for a free event and to receive a free NFT. And my concept behind it was if I can sit here and educate these people, give them an NFT, let them know they now have an asset and teach them backwards rather than, hey, come put your money in this to buy this. I just felt like that was kind of a better result. And since, you know, LA and Miami was a couple of weeks ago, I'm seeing now that those people now are a little bit more engaged in the Discord now, you know, like people who had no idea, they just want to get into NFTs and seeing a free event and a free NFT. And they're like, I'm in. But now they're like starting to get more engaged, you know, a few weeks out. So it does take time to understand this. I don't feel like people... People, once you do even educate people, they still need to kind of like walk through the process, actually mint something, actually see how their wallet works. And that that does just take time, unfortunately, you know. I agree. I think they do. They have to see it. They have to go through that. I do think the sell, sell, sell you're talking about of 
like, oh, it's not selling out, it's not selling out fast enough, or I can't flip it fast enough. I do think the current environment is is probably unsustainable. That it were not every project is just going to be a, a quick sell. Um, and actually, you're seeing a lot of the platforms that are they're purposely gating creators so that they can create that appearance. And I just don't think that's what the long term of Web3 will look like. I agree. Um, I felt like we got hit hard between like October and February with a bunch of rug pulls. And I hate even calling them rug pulls. To me, those are catfish and scammers. And we just started calling them rug pulls in Web3. But like, I feel like so many people got scammed and like played off this fake utilities and fake like roadmaps, which roadmaps I call a business plan. And if you ever got into somebody's business plan, it's like it's not realistic unless the numbers make sense. So like, I don't know. For me, I, I raised capital coming out of college, like in VC at like 23. So I got to talk to investors on a regular basis and I knew what investors looked at. So when I got into this, I'm like, this is a scam. These are scammers. What are they talking about? You know, and I was, it just threw me all the way off. So I, I get that it kind of messed up the market too. Yeah, exactly. Something I've seen recently that I, I think is an interesting behavior and, and exciting is one, creators like you who are actually uh, educating and creating that experience. So you're saying, hey, individually, I'm going to take, I'm going to start to convert people and actually show them. And it's not a conversion uh, that's in, in the negative sense of like, I'm going to, we're, we're going to indoctrinate them. It's rather showing them here are the steps and it's actually easier than you think. And that's actually most things in life. You just need someone to show you and from the outside, it, it looks intimidating. Uh, but I've had several friends recently who've purchased an NFT who are, don't understand investing, are not collectors, are very new to this world, who purchased just because they loved that piece of music or art or loved that creator. And I think that's also a piece that I'm excited to see because I think more people are, are as, as these platforms get more accessible. I think you're going to see more of that behavior. I agree because, you know, like my marketing brain is always running when I was thinking of more ways to confer and, and exactly how you said it. I don't see why I wouldn't go to somebody who knows investing and say, hey, um, put $10,000 in this. You're going to get 40 shares. And those shares are just called NFTs. I'm just going to show you how to set it up. But give me that 10 grand and let's get this thing going. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's like where it's going to end up having to go for a lot of this, you know, because it's like working backwards right now to only hit this small market of people that actually understand how to use, you know, crypto and NFTs. Drew, we hey. kind of need that Robin Hood moment. You know, when Robin Hood had that inflection of Gen Z learning how to invest, it feels like we're moments away from that. Sorry, go ahead, Remy. Oh, I was just going to say, I'm so glad Abe came in. Uh, the, I met the guy at SDNFT, and he's got so much fire and motivation behind him. So super happy to hear you just share your wisdom and, and power to this whole uh, space right now. So if you're in here, please go and follow him. Same with Jenna. They're both just spitting alpha today. I'm just smiling and laughing, having a good time, learning about the scammers. <laughs> yeah, man, I appreciate you guys coming up. It's really nice when we can just sit back and like there's enough people on the stage that the conversation keeps going. Um, to wrap it up, I know we're at the top of the hour. I'd love to start with picture day. Um, well, how we always end these episodes is what are we excited about? What's one thing coming into this next week, either that you're excited about in your own personal life or something that's exciting for you in the Web3 space, NFT space. Um, starting with Picture Day, 
what would you say something that's exciting you up in this next week? Um, I do. I am excited about like the Coinbase release and just like another platform where a lot more people are can have access to NFTs. So um, I, I, I would say just my excitement is that this new platform, more people onboarding. And I do feel like there is a wave of people coming and even with being able to use fiat to buy NFTs. And to me, that's just exciting because more people can just get involved and invest. So I'm pretty excited about that. Big things with Coinbase putting the NFT marketplace out there. It really adds a lot of justification. Jenna, how about yourself? What's something you're excited about this next week? Oh, mine is mine is so personal. So I, we have a bunch of calls coming up this week to work with artists on their launch campaigns, and it's super fun. Uh, and I just feel so lucky that this is my job and that I get to chat with artists and figure out how do we do launch campaigns. It's both marketing. It's both music. It, it's working with creators. Um, and I'm I'm really excited for more calls and just brainstorming just weird and wacky campaigns with them. It's a great time to be building. Such an amazing opportunity. I'm really glad that we were able to have you here today, Jenna. Remy, how about you, brother? Yeah, yeah. Uh, new week upcoming to, to be, be better, right? Um, last week as a Web3 recruiter and um, I'll be flying out to Burling, Burlington, Vermont on May 2nd to uh, visit the Super Plastic headquarters, um, joining their team as a partnership manager. So super excited for that. If you're not familiar with Super Plastic, check them out. They do um, designer toys, digital collectibles. They just collab with the Board Ape Yacht Club and uh, also Gucci. So super hyped for that. And yeah. Um, this uh, space has been beautiful. A lot of beautiful people coming through, sharing some alpha and just wisdom with all of us. It's still so early right now. So if you're in this space, like pat yourself on the back because the opportunity right now is just so huge to just continue growing, learning and innovating. So thanks everybody for coming through. I'm so proud of you, Remy. What day did you say you're flying out to Vermont again? It's so good to hear you're like moving forward. You are so worthy. What day did you say you're leaving? <laughs> Love you so much, bro. Uh, it's May 2nd or May 3rd, so never been to Vermont, but honestly pretty excited. Should be dope. Super plastics. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm staring down. It is pitch black here in Argentina, but I know that my cat is sitting down there. And I've spent the past eight days not knowing where she was. And now I know that she's alive. And tomorrow morning, I'm going to be able to pick her up. So I'm just excited to have my family back together. I, I just see her and I know that God is good. So thank you, everybody, for coming to this space today. Jenna, thank you so much for showing up on this, this like space to be able to talk about, to meet another Solana builder. Picture day, thank you for coming in. It's been incredible to meet another friend of Remy's. Remy, I mean, I've got so much love for you, dude. Love what we're building. Everybody, thank you so much. Have a great night. That's it for this episode. I've included all Jenna Hannon's links in the show notes. Check those out if you want to learn more about Supermassive. You can also connect with her on LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks for tuning in. This is Sweets, signing off.